Hi there, welcome to Africans Heal. Welcome to episode six. My name is Christine Kasekwa and I'm your host here on the Africans Heal podcast. Our guest this week is former Zimbabwean junior field hockey world champ. Woo, what a title, Cheryl Zapasi. Cheryl Zapasi is also an international student currently living and going to school in Canada. This episode goes in detail about what life has been like for her being a professional athlete at such a young age and also what life has been like being an international student, an African international student at that. So grab your coffee, grab your water, grab your tea and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Africans Heal. We're here to foster a healthy African diaspora community and promote mental health awareness through storytelling and celebrating our cultures. We're here to heal together. Tupone Pamoja. Cheryl, we're so glad to have you here on Africans Heal today. So why don't we start by you introducing yourself? Who's Cheryl Zapasi? Where are you originally from? Hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much for having me, Christine. Of course. I'm from Zimbabwe, Harare to be specific. Harare means the city that never sleeps, practically. Cheryl Zapasi is a young girl that's discovering her purpose in life. And with this discovery, I'm I'm going through a lot, a lot of positives, a lot of negatives, just basically trying to understand what God created me to do, what God brought me onto this earth to do. And right now, Cheryl Zapasi is a young feminist aspiring to be a voice for women and children. That's who Cheryl Zapasi is. And where do you currently live? I currently live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Hey! I'm currently <laughs> doing my undergrad, hoping to, uh, hoping to graduate with an honors in human resources and labor studies. And um, had you previously lived or traveled to other countries besides Zimbabwe prior to you living in Canada? Yeah, I've actually traveled quite a bit. I used to play um, field hockey. I was very competitive. Um, I went to the Junior World Cup um, in 2016. Oh, yes. Everybody clap hands. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) so I traveled a lot um, for sports. Um, I've been to South America, around South America. I've been to Brazil. I've been to Chile. Um, I've been to Argentina. Is that how you ended up in Canada? Was it through field hockey? No, actually. I I was supposed to be on a hockey scholarship, you know, since I was playing field hockey. I was supposed to be on a hockey scholarship, you know, because we're Zimbabwe is such a small country and, you know, still a developing country. They don't really have, you know, the finances to fund young, you know, people going aboard for sports. So we always had to, you know, fend for ourselves. And my dad used to 
argue with my mom and I because he'd say, you know, there's a waste of money. You need to focus more on school. You need to do this. And my mom always used to tell him, listen, your daughter's going to get a hockey scholarship and the school's going to fund her tuition. So you just keep paying for the tours and she'll reimburse you with a, you know, with a scholarship, with a full scholarship and whatever. And that was the plan. So originally I was supposed to go to America. Um, where in America, I'm not so sure yet. I didn't really get to dive into that, into researching. I later then changed my mind. After the Junior World Cup, I came home and I decided to retire. How old were you at that time? I was 18. So you retired from field hockey, meaning you were not, not going to play it again competitively? I retired from competitive field hockey. Mm-hmm. I'm playing competitive field hockey. And I decided to to come to Canada um, where lol, my ex-boyfriend was, you know, already dololo. So, so you came to be, you wanted to be with him? <laughs> I was, <laughs> funny story, I hope my mom isn't, I hope my dad isn't listening. My mom already knows, I hope my dad isn't listening. But yeah, so um, he was in a different um, province, obviously. But yeah, I basically, in my head, like he was putting all the advantages of me coming to Canada into my head, you know, manipulation 101, e.g. toxic. <laughs> but <laughs> we still went with it. And coming to Canada, honestly, now, I believe is one of the best decisions I ever made for myself. Yeah. So you don't play hockey anymore. Do you feel sad about it sometimes? Um, like I said, I retired from playing professional field hockey. So okay. after, you know, the World Cup, I ended up coaching field hockey to high school students. I loved it. You know, I loved being a coach more than I liked playing competitively. I felt as though the competition, the practice, you know, you have to practice before you, you know, actually get onto the field for a match. You know, you have to prepare. And that was breaking my back. I started having lots of knee problems. I started having lots of ankle injuries. I would sprain my ankle maybe three times in four months. And that wasn't really normal. And then I would put thoughts into my head of, okay, when I'm on a hockey scholarship and I don't know, I break my knee, I break my leg or something. What's the school going to do? Are they going to keep me on a hockey scholarship? Because technically I can't play anymore. I've got a broken leg. You know, obviously they're going to take away my scholarship or something like that. Then what's my plan? You know, and I, my body was just getting fatigued um, as well as, the sports I played, I was in so many different teams at the time. I was playing for under 21 national team. I was playing for my age group because I was under 18, under 18 national team. I was playing for under 18 provincial team and I was playing for my school team. I was playing for a club team. I was playing in five different teams. I had That's no a lot of teams. Yeah, that, that was a lot of teams, you know, getting to play with a lot of people, which was nice, but... My schoolwork went down. I wasn't so focused on school. I didn't even have time to have a social life, which that I'm grateful for. I'd never been drunk, never been out past 10 p.m. Neither did I want to because I just wanted to play sport. I was very disciplined and I thank hockey for that, you know. But at the same time, I felt like my body's exhausted. Hockey became a job. And I didn't want a job. I was 18. So did that kind of take away the excitement, it being like a job? 
It did. When I went for the World um, Cup, I expected it to be so much fun, but we got there and we were put on diets. Our phones were taken away at specific days of the time. Our, you know, we couldn't even enter a restaurant without our fitness coach checking the menu to see if they had salads or if they had pasta. Pasta was basically almost the only carb we're allowed to eat. And that's when I kind of felt like, what am I, like, why are they taking away my phone? Why is this work? I thought this was fun, you know, like this is supposed to be something I'm kind of just blew me off. I also broke my ribs during the World Cup and the management team didn't take it seriously. That's when I started to you know, wonder, okay, if I'm on a hockey scholarship, if I get injured, who's gonna, you know, who's gonna take my side? Who's gonna, you know, make sure I'm okay? Who's gonna, you know, technically your manager's supposed to do that, but that wasn't what my manager was doing. So I just started having lots of concerns, um, mental breakdowns with fitness, training. I hate running. I don't know how I played hockey, but I hate running. <laughs> Girl, I hate running. tell me about that. So, it just started taking a toll on my on my mental my mental health to be honest i played it for so long because i loved it it was a fun thing and honestly i think that if you love doing something and you want to do something you become the best that you can be in that you know particular department and so once i started looking at it as a job that's when i started playing terribly i started i was late all the time i just wasn't in it you know, and that's when I decided to just maybe try to do something else. My father was not happy at all because, you know, this is December 2016. Cheryl's supposed to be going to university in a few months and I'm not paying for university. So therefore, I don't need to save for her university. But now Cheryl's decided to quit, you know, hockey. Therefore, now I need to save up, you know, and pay for university abroad, which is pretty ridiculous to save up in a few months before. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty hard for me to tell my dad, but I I built up the courage and I went for it. I was glad that he said, no, he didn't. No, he did eventually, you know, <laughs> eventually. Uh, <yeah>. He <laughs> saw your he, point eventually. Yeah, he saw my point and I think he's, he's happy about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fast forward to you now being in Canada and you said that you're studying human resources. Why did you choose that major? Honestly, I want to study um, psychology. And yeah, I just had a passion for just listening to people go through weird stuff. You know, lots of people go through a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, I love hearing weird uh, stories. And yeah, I just fell in love with just listening to people's weird stories and trying to give people advice. I'm a terrible listener though. So yes, I want to study psychology until this lady, um, this was in high school, this lady from some university, I'm not so sure. She came and she told me psychology is so competitive. The degree for psychology is so competitive. And even though you've got a degree in undergrad in psychology, you know, a thousand people could apply for an undergrad program psychology. A thousand people could get it. For the master's though, let's say out of a thousand, only 400 people could get into the master's department. Out of the 400 people, only let's say 20 people could be able to get a PhD in psychology. By the time you get your PhD, you're not probably overqualified for some you know, companies to hire you. You're too expensive and therefore you're stranded without a job. So now I just basically started looking for other degrees that had a little bit of a psychology perspective or aspect in them. 
And so they start asking me lots of questions. I enjoy doing business studies. So that's when this lady said, okay, well, what about human resources? Human resources is in the business aspect, but it's also got a little bit of psychology into it. And I'm a bit bossy. I'm not bossy. I just, (laughs) you know, I like to put my opinion out there. You know, you have, so you have leadership qualities. Hell to the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so human resources just fit the part, you know, hiring people, firing people. It just I start to get really interested in it, to be honest. I, and I found it pretty easy in business studies. I mean, everybody loves human resources topics in business studies. They're the easiest topics. So, yeah, that's how I got to human resources. And so as an African woman living abroad as a student, an international student at that, how do you manage your physical, spiritual and emotional wellness being so far from your family? Honestly, that's such a hard question. I am currently in my third year, almost finishing my third year. In my first year, I struggled. I cried every single day. I I was homesick 24-7. I was miserable, you know? And then when I went home to visit to Zimbabwe, after about three weeks of being in Zimbabwe, living with my parents again and everything, I started kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to go back to Canada for some reason. You know, I kind of felt like I don't actually live in Zimbabwe. I live in Canada. What the hell am I still doing here, you know? And so I came back to Canada and I always felt like home was in you know, Zimbabwe. I moved into an apartment with my roommate and my apartment being able to, because I was living on res my first year, I was just in a dorm kind of, mm-hmm. you know, so moving into an apartment, I had a lounge, I had my own kitchen, I had, you know, just normal stuff that made me realize that, okay, you know what, this is my home then. If I can be chilling in the lounge, you know, like in Zimbabwe, I just used to chill in the lounge, watch TV. If I can be doing that here, if I'm getting a job and I'm working, you know, I'm going to school, then this is my home. What am I still crying about in Zimbabwe? There's actually nothing that I do in Zimbabwe. I don't work there. I don't go to school there. I don't live there. So technically that's my home, but not my home. The only reason I go to Zimbabwe is to visit my family, Mm -hmm. you know? So slowly, but surely, even when I used, when I go to um, Zimbabwe, after about a month, I'll be telling my parents, guys, I think I need to go home. And my mom was like, what the hell are you talking about? You are home. And I'm like, nah, nah, I want to go to my home. This is your home. I'm going to my home. So And as well, I feel like as international students, we come to Canada, we come to anywhere, you know, whether you're in Canada, whether you're in America, whether you're in, you know, I don't know, wherever you are, like you come to this land by yourself and you meet people, you know, you meet friends, you meet like a rat, you know, you just meet random people. And from those random people, we select our friends. From our friends, we select our family away from our family, you know? And I feel like those people that we select, we need to be very critical about the people that we select to be our family, you know, in a foreign land, because they end up being our emergency contacts. You know, example, my, I dropped my phone like three days ago and by accident it called 911 and yeah they picked up they're like hey girl I was like hey how are you they're like you okay I'm like no girl I'm good you know 
And yeah, so after it also nine one one is your friend. You've saved us nine one one. No, 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 nine one one for real. So it called them on accident. It, yeah, it called. <laughs> it actually called nine one one because I guess oh, okay. the, you know the fall was just so bad that it just thought like something drastic happened to me. And yeah. one of my friends um, is my emergency contact. I don't have family here, and she got a call to say, "Hey, Cheryl, you know." just dialed 911 at this location. And that's when I realized this is my family away from home. This is who I rely on. If something happens to me, this is the person that like has to come and take care of, I don't know, financial stuff. If I'm in, if I'm in the ICU or if I just, if I'm having a mental breakdown, my mom isn't here. My sister isn't here. My dad isn't here. I have to, you know, my friend has to kind of, you know, comfort me in any way that I need. So I feel like, being away from home, we need to quickly smarten up and realize that the company we keep at the end of the day is the company that we're going to need at one stage, you know, because we're in this land. We don't know anyone. We don't have any connections anymore. You know, it's it's a completely different ballgame. It's, it's a scary ballgame, if I can say. So how has living in Canada changed how you view mental wellness? Um... Honestly, I don't want to like sound like I don't want to offend anyone. If I do offend anyone, guys, I said what I said. <laughs> okay, kidding, kidding. Not kidding. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone. But um, in Africa, mental health awareness isn't exactly a thing. It's becoming a thing slowly but surely, but it's not really a thing. You know, we don't we're not really educated on mental health issues as much as we should be. As Africans, I think we're so blinded. Our perspective on mental health is it's not even in our dictionaries, to be honest. We're kind of taught to be grateful for what you have and keep going. But then, yeah, and that if you say something's wrong, you may be complaining. So people just yeah. get used to covering things up and moving on. Exactly. And it's sometimes it's honestly not the best solution. Like, being in Canada has made me realize that, you know, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to feel like that. And it's okay to express the way you feel because sometimes it makes you, it honestly does make you feel better. I mean, I, when I'm going through a lot, I kind of, I don't know what I do. I don't want to lie on the podcast. You know, I want people to know I kind of isolate myself and I sit down and I think, and I have that one friend that I just unleash. No, but then this happened and then this, but this, no, I'm feeling like this. So, you know, I deserve, I can feel like this. I, you know, I have one friend that I unleash everything to. And in Africa, I feel like our parents don't really give us that leeway to unleash all of our emotions out, you know, especially for men who are taught to be tough, to be, you know, you can't vocalize your, you know, your feelings. You can't, I feel like they struggle more. They're the worst victims when it comes to mental health issues. African I agree. Men, I, I agree. And it's sad, but it's the honest truth. And they come here and they learn a lot that, okay, you know, it's okay for me to be sad. It's okay for me to take my time, you know, to distance myself, to tell someone that this is going on. And so I feel like the first, you know, coming to Canada, in a way, it's a big advantage to a lot of us because we learn things that we didn't previously learn or things that just weren't taught to us, you know, as much as they should have, if that makes sense. So have you had days where you've hit I'll call it rock bottom, but 
really, you can say just a really tough day where something horrible happened and or days where you felt hopeless. And how did you cope with that? And I know you mentioned you have a friend, the 911 friend. So yeah. do you cope by calling your friends? Like, how do you manage those days or like that one particular incident? Maybe if something has happened in your, in the duration of you living far away from home, like how, how did you manage? Honestly, you guys, I am Cheryl Tapasi is a strong ass woman. So uh, I will cry today, but I'll get up tomorrow. So whenever someone's having a bad day and they want to cry, tell them cry. Go to the shower. The shower is where I do most of my crying. Go at the end of your day, cry out all those tears. Guys, cry them out. So that the next morning you wake up with your puffy eyes, you look ugly as hell, and you realize what you came here to do. You know what I'm saying? We can't cry our entire lives. When I, I just recently went through such a rough patch and I couldn't even take my own advice. I was just so miserable for a couple weeks until I woke up and I said, you know what? Like, I need to take my own advice, cleaned up my entire apartment, even swept and mopped. You know, university life, you don't like doing that. Swept, mopped, started doing my schedule. Next morning, I woke up and I was back to normal. I kind of pack my schedule so much. I'm back to back so busy so that I don't have time to think, you know, to think about what's like weighing me down, to think about all the negative things in my life. And slowly I end up forgetting those things or eventually not caring about them, which I think could be a bad thing because I don't, sometimes I necessarily don't address them. I kind of ignore them. You know what, guys? Do as I say, not as I do. So when you have a bad day, cry out all your tears that day. Next morning, wake up and remember who you are. There we go. Do as I say, not as I do. But you did mention a couple of good ways that you do cope, like cleaning, taking some time off, taking a shower and crying. So those are coping mechanisms. And it seems like you do know and understand yourself. So you know, okay, when this happens... I'm just going to go do this and I'll, I'll feel better. I'll talk to my friends after I've gone through it. Then I'm like, you know, this happened. And then this, this happened. And then this, this happened. Then they'll give me the advice. And I'm like, uh-huh, okay. But it already happened. I end up just doing this. You know, you end up doing the toxic stuff that you're actually not supposed to do. But like Loki is like, ah, you know, um, I just, yeah. Sometimes I think you just need time to sit down on your own and reflect. I'm a loner. I love being by myself in my apartment and doing my own thing. So I was really happy that I managed to deal with it by myself. That's also another thing that like, I feel like we need to do more of. I get, you know, some people go to therapy and everything. I 100% support that. But I do not like how other people end up needing someone to heal themselves. You know, some people like end up, you know, like example, if you get your heart broken, you quickly dive into a new relationship and that person, whoever, you know, your new partner is kind of heals you. And like, I don't like that because uh, what if that next relationship doesn't work out? You'll need another partner to heal you kind of thing. So I love my own space. And in this, you know, I kind of try to heal myself, stay low key until I'm ready to come out. And I feel like that honestly makes me so strong. It makes me stronger. It makes me more independent. It just makes me realize that I can rely on myself. You know, I don't need anybody else to fix me up or to heal me or to, you know, like I got me. 
which is a great place to be. I think that depending on things people have gone through, like childhood traumas and just so many things, they constitute to just how people behave, like how they act after a breakup or how they act when something horrible happens. So you should be very happy and glad that um, you have that system going for you because it's not the same out here, you know? No, like it's like, honestly, like I've met lots of people. They just hate their lives because they're just going through a lot. Maybe you can't get a job. Awareness is such a big deal. Um, In the other episode, I was talking to a clinical psychologist in Kenya and she was just saying that it's it has to be the awareness that just hits someone one day where they're like, wow, I I feel horrible. This is horrible. Like it can never come from external sources. External sources can tell us all they can. But until it comes from us, there's no change that's going to happen. So I'm hoping that with guests like you sharing their story, that someone can hear this and they're like, wow, okay, I need to go cry this out and go to a therapist tomorrow or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like I always tell my friends if they're going through something that like, as much as I try and get you out of it, I can't. You need to, once you're done and you're tired, You'll be so hopeless. You won't want it anymore. If you're in a toxic relationship, girl, boy, you're going to leave that relationship when you're done. When so much has just happened that, you know, you just realize, ah, this is too much. (laughs) That is when you leave. So if you're in a terrible situation with school, with, you know, financial situations, you just haven't had enough. When you've had enough, you've left. So that's my motto. I always tell my friends when they were that, ah, but this boy, eh? I'll start one later. That's Shauna for you're not tired. When you get tired, you'll leave. I love that because I think a lot of African countries have that saying. I think in Kenya, they'll say like, Kusafisha Mikono, like you've washed your hands. Yeah. You're just that's done you washed your hands you're done, done. <laughs> that's so funny but like, i feel like uh, if you haven't washed your hands yet you're, you're not, not done, done. <laughs> you're, I, you're not done and it's true like it's so true like honey when you're done you're done you know sometimes what we say is just more like the expression is so different in an african language or you know to an african person what issue that you witness others going through breaks your heart the most? Girl. Mm, 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 mm. Huh, right. You know how I just said that Cheryl Zapasi is a young feminist, you know, a young aspiring feminist. What I've been seeing lately on social media is the oppression of women. Like example, our our mothers, you know, our mother's generation, they've been cheated on. They've been abused by our fathers and they're still there. They are still there. And sometimes you look at, our, you know, we look at our mothers and we're like, how are you doing this? Are you okay? Is your mental health okay? And it's not. They're just going on as best as they can. You know, social media, I'm seeing young girls that are being raped and murdered for being a woman. I'm so sorry. No, I'm seeing kids, girls that are like two months old, 10 months old, being raped by their own fathers because they're fake, like they're female. Because I was born a female makes me a minority and a victim and a target. It makes no sense. Honestly, it makes no sense. And this actually birthed my breakdown. 
this was my breakdown because I went from being such a tough girl who could walk wherever she wanted, no matter what time of you know day it was. I could walk outside so proud, so tough to me walking outside for two minutes and not checking, you know, who's, if anyone's following me, not like digging into my purse to get like my phone or something. It's, it's impossible because even now I'm scared. Even the strong person that I believe myself to be is scared that, oh, I'm walking. What if some guy just comes to grab me? Or, you know, I understand that not all men rape, not all men abuse women or, you know, other men, but how do we know which men do that? We don't know. We can walk into a coffee shop. We don't know if the man that's, you know, looking at us or trying to get our attention, we don't know if three minutes ago he raped his daughter. If 10 minutes ago he beat his wife. If five hours ago he arrests some girl. We don't know that. So as women, because we're so not powerless, but we're so vulnerable, we need to in our head just assume that it's all men to protect ourselves, if that makes sense. Because we don't know, no man, no rapist is going to have a title on his head saying rapist. That's impossible, you know? And yeah, some guys say, well, I'm actually a nice guy. I'm so sorry. Those women that are in abusive relationship, would they have been with that partner if he was such an awful man? No, that was a nice man, a charming man that ended up just switching up. You know, this doesn't go in saying that women don't rape, women don't abuse, women some women rape, some women abuse, they do that. But the point is us women, we're so vulnerable. And right now the internet is full of women being oppressed. And that needs to change. That needs to, we need to, honestly, instead of watching what our daughters are wearing, we need to raise our sons differently. We need to raise our women to ask more questions, to to have a voice. You know, we need to raise our men to, to as well ask more questions. To, you know, not have silly little thoughts. Not to say that, you know, men don't have silly little thoughts. Men have silly little thoughts. What? Men have silly little thoughts. <laughs> but just to to just learn a little bit of self-discipline. I'm so sorry. In African countries, you can't go downtown as a woman in tights or in shorts because you attract the attention of men, you know, scolding you, sexually harassing you. No, that needs to stop. It can't be going on. I'm sorry. That does I, need to stop. It needs to stop. Because honestly, I've just realized I've been sexually harassed countless amount of times. I don't even know. I was sexually harassed last week when some guy said, hey, sexy. Already I'm I'm the sexy object in this man's eyes because I'm wearing tights. Like, are you kidding? So what am I supposed to wear? Yeah. Okay. And if little, you know, daughters, little, you know, sons are being raped at like four years old at like two months old. They're also sexual objects. It doesn't make any sense. We just need a different world. You know, we need to look at everything differently. And I feel as though we need to re-educate ourselves, both male and female. That makes sense. That's, that's my biggest one. Like I, I've been talking to my friends and their friends, Africans, and they're all talk about how their mothers were put through so much. Yes, their marriages are now nice. They might be okay now, happy, but some are still miserable. The point is in their marriage, they went through such a tough time because of their husbands. It's not supposed to be like that. You know, some people are wondering, you know, what about the men that went through a tough time? Guys, please, that's not my fight. It's not my fight isn't about men. My fight is about women. Hello, empowering women. That's not my fight. Okay. My fight is that, we just need to change. Women in these situations, get up, cry.
cry in the shower, like I said, cry in the shower today. Cry all your tears out. So tomorrow you have no more tears to cry. Wake up, go get a job if you're financially dependent on him. If you're emotionally dependent on him, girl, get your friend, you know, and get out of there, get your kids out of there because you're raising our kids in abusive relationships and our kids are growing up seeing this. And some of them are actually believing that this is how it's supposed to be. You know, like it just has to stop. It's, I'm sorry, it's not good enough. For me, if for effort, if for effort, we have failed, we have failed. We have, we have failed our creator. That's what I think. We need to fight for our rights. We need to, as women, we can't just sit back and see other women going through the most. I saw, you know, just to defend men because all my male friends are like, ah, but yeah, what about men? I'm thinking, boy, grow up, like be mature. That's not my fight. Okay. That's your fight. That's okay. I'll listen to it, but that's not my fight. Just to defend the men. I saw this, um, there was this um, TikTok, you know, a man was beating his wife in public. Everyone that passed stopped to defend this woman. But now tables were turned. A woman was beating her husband in public. All these people found this as humorous. I've seen videos. I've seen people post even on WhatsApp. On WhatsApp. And it's like a joke that a woman is fighting a man. Yeah. like It's not funny. It's not a joke. It's not funny. We just all need to re-educate ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. We all need to re-educate ourselves. And we also need to we also need to consider other people's feelings, other people's, you know, mental health thing. I'm watching this um series and it talks about how if a woman is if a girl, because these are underage marriages, if a girl is raped, and in some cultures, if a girl's raped or she gets pregnant from a guy, no matter what age she is, I don't know, eleven, twelve, she has to marry that guy. But it's like, what? This is an 11, 12-year-old that was raped. Why is she? Why does she need to marry her rapist? It makes mm-hmm. no sense. This was, um, though, in my series, I'm watching Designated Survivor. Mm-hmm. So it just came up there and it kind of just astonished me that, huh? Like, is this the world that like we live in? Or is this the world that some people live in? You know, and it's something that we need to not take lightly. If your children, boy or girl, if your children tell you, I don't want to go to that person's house, we need to listen. Because sometimes your kid doesn't want to tell you, I went there, your son doesn't want to tell you, I went there and then she did this to me or he did this to me. Your son doesn't want to tell you that, neither does your daughter. So if he, she tells you, I don't want to go there, don't force them to go there. Don't, because you don't know what's going on there. When you're not there, you don't know. Um, so if you were to give advice to another student who is living in a foreign land and maybe experiencing similar circumstances as you are as an international student, what would you tell them? I would honestly tell them to remember why they're here. You know, like we come here and we are no longer under our parents' roof. You know, we don't have the boundaries our parents set um, on us. You know, we come here and we all of a sudden have so much freedom. We can do and say whatever we want. We can go out until 6 a.m. We can do can do so much. Um, we sometimes end up lacking focus in the educational department. Or, you know, we're, we don't do our assignments. We don't attend our classes. But at the end of the day, that's why we came here. We end up having issues um, with other aspects. You know, we're having fights, arguments with our friends, and those are weighing us down. And now 
our schoolwork is, you know, going down the drain because now I'm emotionally stressed out because this person said this, this person said that, and we're forgetting why we came. Having said that, remember why you're here. Remember the main point of you being here. Yes, like you can go have fun, you can do this, but you also need to focus on your schoolwork. Remember, remember why you're where you are. Yeah, remember remember why you're where you are, because honestly, our parents, they're, they're breaking their backs for us. You know, it's not easy. If you talk to, we're international students. If you talk to, I don't know, a Canadian citizen, um, a New Zealand citizen, you know, these kids that grow up here and you ask them, how much tuition do you pay? They'll tell you. And they ask you, how much tuition do you pay? And you tell them per semester, by the way, they two completely different numbers. And they'll even wonder how your parents can afford that. They'll be so shook, like, what? That's crazy. What? You know, because they, they, their parents can't afford it. They, they are shook. They think we're billionaires, you know? So our parents really break their backs trying to sacrifice for us. Like, just keep focused. Try to keep focus. That's all I can say, actually. Yeah. Just remember why you're here. And just always have that... Oh my goodness. I always say to people, you know, we have friends. Learn to categorize your friends. I don't want to be rude, but you need to know what friend is what. You need to know that, oh, this person is this girl's only my friend when it comes to going out. This is my pleasure, girl. This is my friend when I need to be serious about school. This is my friend when I need to know more about God to read my Bible. We need to be able to categorize my friends. Sometimes you guys, you're playing with the going out friends so much that you don't have anyone, any you know school friend that motivates you to do better in school, that you know encourages you to study, to you know not to cheat in your exams. You know, like we don't have those friends. So we're out here getting distracted and no one's kind of reminding us why we're here. Like I said, like you said, we don't have our parents here to remind us, hey, you came to school. No. So we need to categorize our friends. So we still kind of have those boundaries so that our friends that become family in a way can sometimes just instill that boundary and say, hey, like, girl, like you've been going out a lot. Have you studied or how's school going? You know, or have you read your Bible today? Have you prayed? Why? Why not? Oh, oh, that's good. You know, so yeah, that's what I've been doing. I always say to my friend, the problem with you is you're not categorizing your friends. Go categorize your friends and come talk to me tomorrow. I give like hard love. On the talk of friendship, Darius Daniels does a, has a really good book called Relational Intelligence. And he talks about friends in the way that you just did. So I wish I had that book when I was in my early 20s. Um, that book would have helped me a lot in college. It's such yeah. a good book. So anyone, for those listening, definitely check that book out. And Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for the nuggets of advice. Thank you for having me. I want to come back soon. And you guys, I hope you enjoyed tapping into my little mindset. But um, <laughs> yeah, I hope to be back soon. And thank you so much, Christine. Of course, you're always welcome here. Please, we need to co-host. Hey, Christine and Cheryl Show. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. Please be sure to leave us a review. That will be very beneficial. It will help put this podcast on the map so others can find it. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at Africans Heal. Check out our website at africansheal.com. Share this episode with a friend and be sure to tune in next week. You do not want to miss it. Bye.